MovieCast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I am Wesley. And today we're going to be getting into our childhood favorites. Yeah, what? we're just going to be talking about like childhood movies, things Mo- in our childhood that made us happy. Movies that resonated with us the most as kids that we still enjoy just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was born in 2000. You were born in 2000 as well, right? Yep. So we're both 2000s babies. We're not 90s kids or anything. Even though I think people who call themselves 90s kids and were born in 1999 don't count. They're just posers, man. I I have a friend um, in my theater program, and she was like, she's like, how old are you? I was like, I'm, I guess at the time I would have been 20. I'm still 20 now. Um, She's like, oh, you were born in 2000s? I'm a 90s kid. I was like, when were you born? She's like, 1999 of December. And I was like, no, that does not count. a whole different culture one year earlier. That entire month (laughs) that you had in 1999 where you couldn't speak or walk and you were just a baby. Yeah, that totally counts to make you a 90s kid. I'm pretty sure kids from 1999 were playing the same Pokemon game that kids in like 2001 were playing. Yeah, I I feel like that's pretty accurate. Um. But since we are 2000s kids, to start us off, I thought a fun activity would be I'm gonna Hayden, I'm gonna hit you with some 2000s trivia. Okay, I think I think I'm good. It's gonna be about like movies and TV shows, uh, different other things from our childhood. So I like to think I know my facts, but we're gonna find out right now. We're about to find out how much of a 2000s kid you are. First question: Which one of these actors never guest starred in The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? Selena Gomez. Zac Efron, Hilary Duff, or Miley Cyrus? Zac Efron. That is correct. What is Zac, Zac Efron? Zac Efron did not star uh, in Zack and Cody. I remember, felt off. I remember the Miley Cyrus episode because it was a mix of uh, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Miley Cyrus, Hannah and, Montana. Well, yeah, Hannah Montana at the time. And, and I then, think it was That's So Raven. Was it? And then they did a, they did one with Sweet Life on Deck where it was Wizard of Waverly Plays too. Yeah, they did a bunch of crossover stuff, which was super cool. Anyway. Innovative. They changed the game. Um, second question: What was the chat system on the Nintendo DS called? Easy. Picture Chat, Picto Chat, Nintendo Chat, or DS Chat? Picto Chat. Picto Chat, baby. It's uh, it's one of the classic levels on uh, Super Smash Brothers. I remember playing that Super uh- Smash Brothers Brawl. Super Smash Brothers was the game of the generation. It's a classic. I played it on my Wii. Um, question number three. In The Incredibles, what's the name of the villain that shows up at the end of the movie? The Undertaker, Mole Man, the Drill Sergeant, or the Underminer? The Underminer. The Underminer is correct. I, as a kid, though, I always thought it was the Molinator. The Molinator? <laughs> that's... that's um. It's the Tooth Fairy character from the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. Really? <laughs> he changes his name to the Molinator, and that's why. But for so long, I've always thought the villain from the ending of Incredibles was called the Molinator. Molinator. It's not. It's the Underminer. All right. Question number four. In the movie The Emperor's New Groove, what does Kuzco turn into? A sheep? A llama? An ostrich? Or a giraffe? It's a llama, man. It is a llama. It's a llama. It's a classic. I love that movie so much. Me Wrong too. lever, Kronk. Kronk? Is Joe from Family Guy? Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, he's amazing. He's also the that voice actor is the same guy who voiced. Um, if you know the, I think it's an internet TV series. Maybe it was on like Cartoon Network too. But there's a series called The Venture Brothers with this guy Brock Sampson. Oh, I've he heard voiced about him it. as well. Um, okay. Qu- final question. Question number five. How many times is the word "b" said in the B movie? 
80 times, 172 times, 66 times, or 430 times. These are all so far apart <laughs> from each other. I want to just go with the one that was in like the 100s. I think the 172. One. Yeah, you're correct. Is it, that it? it is. I, I felt like 400 was too much B. Dude, they say B so many. I like I when I was looking at these questions, it was like bonus trivia fact. Um, B is used in like seven different wa- ways in this movie. It means seven different things. It's like talked about as the bees or uh, the bees' knees and like things like that. It's so stupid. Good job. You got five out of five, though. Hey, I, I do guess know- you are a supreme 2000s kid. I know my 2000s facts, man. I remember I watched a video on YouTube one time and it was the B movie, but every time they say B, it speeds, <laughs> it speeds up. And Dude. very quickly, the entire movie was just like flying. It gets so fast because, like, in the I had a friend who, uh, you know how like when people get your number, they usually send you like a text where it's like, "Hey, it's this person" or yeah. whatever. One of my friends, I gave him my number. The first thing he sends me is that entire monologue from the beginning of the B movie. It was like the first ten minutes of the movie, just a script, and it was like. Uh, according to the laws of aviation, the bee's body mass doesn't make it fly or whatever the heck that entire first monologue is. That was the first thing he sent to me. That's where you add him into speed dial because you know, <laughs> you know that's somebody you're going to need in your life. I'm just like, hey, Siri. I put that as his name. I'm like, hey, Siri, call. Oh, Siri just started on my phone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just like, hey, Siri, call. And I start saying that entire monologue. Go into the whole B movie thing. I wish. I wish you could just do that. Okay. Um, shall we get into some childhood movies? Let's do it up. Let's dive right into it. Um, what do you got? What do you got for us to start off? I want to start off, uh, with one of the ones that I feel was most important to me. And before I say that, I have to get this out of the way. Very important characters to me in my childhood were Spider-Man and Batman. Oh yeah. But we just talked about Batman Mm -hmm. and we're going to end up probably talking about him again in the future and same with Spider-Man. So I'm just going to leave those topics off the table today. Yeah, take we'll superheroes get, out of here. Yeah, just because I feel like it would make me biased and all three of my favorites would be superheroes, but I have a lot yeah. of other ones. So We'll talk about them in another podcast. Different episode, for sure. Uh, the one that I want to start with today is The Goonies, which Ooh. is a movie that had a huge impact. My dad showed it to me when I was like probably like six or seven. I don't remember, but I remember loving it. Like mm-hmm. Within weeks, my favorite chocolate bar was like Baby Ruth, if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been a while, so I'm not, I don't remember it super well. But I got, I got lucky enough to see it at the drive in a few years ago. Oh, that's cool. It was awesome. But I could go into that movie forever, but I just, I think one of the most interesting things about that movie, just to try and keep the conversation short, is I think it's crazy how back in the 80s, Steven Spielberg told like the quintessential coming of age story, mm-hmm. and it still like holds up, it still resonates with kids now. Well, yeah, it's still, like, a pretty popular movie these days. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, I think one of the most interesting things about that movie is how all this time later kids are still resonating with this story. And the only thing that the plot of Goonies is really about is these kids find out that there's treasure and they go on this huge adventure to try and find it. And I think that's every something that every kid can, like, relate to want to doing. I yeah. think every kid tried to go on a treasure hunt at one time or another. I am almost positive that at some point in my childhood, I walked off into the woods with my friends and tried to go on a treasure hunt for something. But obviously, we never found anything. Cause... You start digging anywhere. So you're like, I bet you it's here. And then yeah. You just take a shovel, put it in the ground. Like, 
but with the Goonies, it's taking that like childhood, like let's go treasure hunting, and like actually leading to something. Yeah, they actually go, they actually find treasure. Yeah, and yeah, I just think one of the most interesting things about that movie for sure is the way that Steven Spielberg's so long ago total movie that now still holds up and resonates the same way with kids, despite all the technology and everything that's changed since then. Yeah, that movie at its core is still what matters the most to kids i think yeah i mean the only actually now that you talk about it one of the movies that i can think of that kind of reminds me of the goonies was do you ever watch uh, little giants no um little giants was a movie about a bunch of kids who made a football team but none of them were good at football and uh oh what is his name he's the he's the nerd in ghostbusters i can't remember the actor's no, name ringing a bell. um but you know who i'm talking about yeah he's oh, yeah. the main character he's the guy who uh kind of starts the football team and it's got that same kind of like band together group of misfits kind of like deal it's obviously not hunting for treasure they're actually playing football but mm -hmm. it's that's like the movie that i can compare to the that most from to my it. childhood yeah um one of the movies uh from my childhood that i want to talk about was the road to el dorado oh yeah yeah, yeah. now i loved that movie this movie is not as well known in the dreamworks community um, most people probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but surprisingly, the soundtrack was composed by Elton John, and it's all sung by Elton John as well. Really? The entire thing is by Elton John. Um, there's actually a song in there that was supposed to be with Elton John and the Backstreet Boys. They were supposed to sing on it too, but in the movie, they don't sing on it, but they did a performance, apparently, I read this, they did a performance where uh, Elton John had the Backstreet Boys singing to one of the songs in this movie. But this movie is amazing. Um, it's one of the first DreamWorks movies that tanked in the box office. Yikes, that's a bummer. I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised because it's kind of obscure and it's like, you know about the story of the road to El Dorado or whatever, like the city of gold. Mm -hmm. But like, it's kind of like Atlantis. Um, like, uh, who, does Disney do Atlantis? Did they do Atlantis? They might have. Was that DreamWorks? I can't remember. Um, maybe it was Pixar. I don't know. Anywho, um, it's kind of like that where it's like they kind of base it off of a ancient story, and then everyone's kind of like ooh compared to like other ones where it's like original, original and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that movie is amazing. I love that movie because uh, the colors in it, for one, are insanely good. Just like the color palette of that movie, they had so much to work with. Because I read that um. They based a lot of the designs off like Mayan and ancient cities, and it wasn't like one thing specifically. They kind of blended everything together, so it couldn't really be placed geographically. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing about that movie that I realized after rewatching it was that it's got so much like adult content in there. Like there are kids' movies that sneak adult content into them. I think every single kids' movie does that. Yeah, like a few jokes here and there where it's like only the adults will get it and stuff. Yeah, but in this movie, there's literally a scene where they're about to have a human sacrifice, or they do have a human sacrifice, and the and Miguel and Tulio, the main guys, like, whoa, hang on a second here. They're like, we'll just not do that, and they sacrifice a bunch of gold or something. Um, but there's another scene where. Um, Tulio gets it on with one of the, there's like one of the people in the village who kind of like catches on to their, um, what they're doing without spoiling anything. Um, and she gets on their side of, uh, trying to fool the rest of the village. Um, and 
she like there's literally one scene where uh miguel one of the, the other main character walks in and tulio and this girl are behind a couch and it looks like they just finished like doing the deed you know yeah in, um, like, in the middle of a dreamworks movie just, literally yeah and so i think i liked it probably as a kid because i was like ooh, adult content that i understand that too but you're like i know what they're doing you can't fool me i know what you're doing there <laughs> your parents are like no 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 they're just um they're hunting um, for gold they're just uh they're playing they're just playing hide and seek <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's nothing um but i mean even i think i mentioned this movie to my mom and she was like what like, what movie is this? My mom showed me that movie. Oh, dude, it's and so good. I don't remember like a lot of I don't remember much of the story, but I know what El Dorado is and I know about that whole Road mm-hmm. to El Dorado stuff. And I, I the main thing I remember from that movie is the characters, the two main characters. Yeah. I don't really remember much more than them, but like they're stuck in my brain. They're so good. They're they're great two main characters. Um cuz they both want the same thing, but at the same time their intentions are different. Like their yeah. motivations are different. Um, and in, in, as you go further in the movie, they realize they want different things, but at the beginning, they kind of want the same thing. Um, but no, that's a really good movie. Also, random fun fact, me and another friend of ours, Morgan Cutler, I made a joke that we look like Miguel and Tulio. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I, I see it 100%. We used to, we used to, but now less though. Uh, I think it's interesting too, how we started on this note because the Goonies and Road to El Dorado can sort of be in the same like they're both like treasure movies oh yeah true treasure yeah. hunt baby. yeah both treasure hunt so we're starting that treasure hunt um anyways um one of the things about the goonies that i wanted to bring up was the fact that the villains are not like the regular kids movie villains like they're straight up trying to kill this group of kids yeah just for the treasure and i'm like at, at the time when i watched it as a kid i didn't realize how high the stakes were in that movie mm-hmm. but these kids are like literally like in like underground caves like running for their lives and stuff from literally like it's it's insane that's like um i rewatched peter pan and i realized that all those pirates are trying to kill those kids yeah like those kids have no family no home they're stuck on that island the pirates are like fuck you peter pan you time guys to are, die you guys are dead <laughs> it's like it's 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 ridiculous um Another thing about the Goonies, just to, to close off the Goonies before I move on, is uh, I think that that movie was sort of like the segue for like the older style John Hughes coming of age movies. Yeah. And I think that the comparison between how fantasy like that the Goonies is, I mean, obviously it's all played very realistically, but the idea of these kids going on this adventure and finding like an actual pirate's gold and everything, mm-hmm. it's all very fantasy like. And I think that it works as a good segue into what followed with all of uh, John Hughes coming of age movies and stuff and the tone that he establishes in, in those. Yeah. I just feel like despite being from Spielberg, the Goonies and then John Hughes doing his own thing. I feel like that movie is like the perfect coming of age movie that represents a time frame where all these coming of age movies were like centered around teens. Yeah. And the Goonies was kids. Like you're watching these kids go on adventure and it, it felt real to me as a kid. Mm hmm. Like seeing the friend group and the dynamic that that movie had, it never felt like a like a movie. Yeah, it's I I find it's different. Like it, it's kind of comparable to it, where you get kids instead of like teenagers or like something like that, where they teenagers and adults have a different mindset than kids do. Mm-hmm. And so when you're a kid watching a movie about kids going to find a treasure. It's much cooler to you than watching a movie about adults going to find a treasure, you know? Yeah, it's like seeing you in, in that yeah, movie. Yeah, because you're like, I could do that. That could be me. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to stay on the Goonies too long because we have a, a couple more uh, topics that we want to get on. 
But do you want to start with the next one? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, or did you want to talk about yours? Toy Story? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. You want to talk about Toy Story? Uh, yeah, so Toy Story was a big one for me as a kid. I always remembered liking the first one the most until the third one came out. But that was when I was a little bit older. Yeah. But I know I think that's basically the common opinion is that the first Toy Story is the best Toy Story. Yeah, the second one is kind of like, eh, but it's still good. It's good, but it, I find it's the most forgettable when I look back at that franchise. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. They're all great. Mm-hmm. But something about Sid as a villain. Dude, have you seen Sid lately? Like, have you looked at a picture of Sid? Like the character? Yeah. He's in Toy Story 3. Yeah, I know, but you have you looked at him from Toy Story 1 recently? Oh, yeah, he's he's He evil. looks so like he looks like the classic like kid in your school that was the biggest bully and you just see in the corner burning ants. With like a magnifying glass. <laughs> yes. Like that is who he is. And he is a menace. Like I, mm-hmm. I I have PTSD from Sid, man. I think back on Toy Story 1 and I'm just like Oh, that tea party scene with Buzz. Yeah. That entire final act. I'm like, ooh. So weird. So weird. Um, but no, that is a that is a great movie. And it is a classic too. Like, I feel like Toy Story's gonna done a good thing where for us we watch Toy Story one, then two, then three. But for any kids, they can still watch Toy Story one, two, and three and still love it. Yeah, and now they have four as well, which well, is yeah. fun. Which I actually haven't seen yet. I still have to watch that. It's uh it's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've heard it's just that's, good. That's all I can say. It's yeah. not like classic Toy Story. It's, but. It is now, like, if, if we're ranking the series now, it's probably, like, the worst one. Well, yeah. But just because it, it misses the, the elements of what made Toy Story so important is the relationships between, you know, all those toys. Yeah. And then they were like, but what if we just followed Woody? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, nah, like you, you've lost me. Mm-hmm. But uh, Toy Story is really interesting because it's an animated series made for kids that touches on subjects that are all, like all very adult. Yeah. Like basically the entire premise of Toy Story 4 is midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hilarious. Like they, they, they touch on all these things that in any other movie would not be working in a kid's movie. Yeah. But not only does it work here for kids, but it works for adults too. Like adults watch Toy Story and like they enjoy it. Like it's not like a kid's movie franchise to them. Um, One thing I, as we're talking about Toy Story, one thing that I've, just thought about is the interesting parallel between toys and people in that movie because i think what toy story does really well is the fact that um the toys go through the same crisis that the humans do in that movie where in the first one they're trying to get back to andy uh, because andy is their toy and as a kid andy would probably be concerned about those toys and want to get back to them right but then we go to the third one And those toys have to uh, deal with leaving Andy. And Andy has to deal with leaving those toys. Right. It's almost as if the toys are going through the same problems that Andy is or the humans are in those movies. And that's what I think makes it really cool and humanizes those characters as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Is the fact that they have human problems, but really they're toys. Yeah, like the topic of, you know, with the toys and Andy having to say goodbye to somebody that's been a part of your life for so long that's like a, a real thing that happens to a lot of people like yeah often it's something that humans have to deal with and the way that toy story takes it and then makes these toys go through it and like you have a grown man watching toy story 3 and he's going to get emotional like, yeah there's something impressive about an animated studio that made a franchise for children 
making dudes cry with them at like the age Literally. of 20. Like that's crazy. And I just think that the way that Toy Story humanized all of them mm-hmm. from such a young age for us, like we, we watched that and I never, when I grew up watching Toy Stories, uh, I stopped paying attention to the fact that I was watching toys. I just felt like I was watching characters I knew. Yeah. Which is unreal and it's it's crazy. It speaks a lot for Pixar and their storytelling at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a avid movie lover, one scene that you should always see in your life is in Toy Story 2, there's a scene where a toy maker um, fixes Woody. Like he sews his arm back on and he paints over the Andy on the bottom of his boot. Animation-wise, that scene is so detailed and so well done. If you have not watched it in a while, watch just the clip and you will notice how much detail is actually in that one clip. Like, because they zoom in the old guy zooms in on magnifying glass a couple times and like it gets really into the details and they do such a good job of that animation and i mean it can uh be the same thing can be said for lots of other movies like that like how in monsters inc uh sully has all the all of his hairs or like individually animated or whatever the heck yeah they did that in like the early 2000s too like that that's hard that's a task for an animator and that's that's what I think makes those movies good as well is their attention to detail. Because if you can do that in a time where animation isn't to the point where it is now, I think that like speaks volumes. Especially considering you're talking about Toy Story 2. That entire movie got deleted. Did you know about that? What? Toy Story 2, it got deleted. They had to like restart it. Really? Yeah, like halfway through the production, the entire movie, somebody was editing it, the entire thing got deleted. Oh. Or like, or like most of it, they had to like, yeah. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, they had to like basically wipe like blank slate. So the fact that the animation still came out looking that impressive mm-hmm. after they lost the entire movie and had Literally. to restart it, it speaks volumes for uh, Pixar and their dedication at the time. I think that they're still a great movie studio, but you can see where some of their enthusiasm has fallen off. Yeah. It it was such a product of the time back when they first were making all those movies. Yeah. Um. Since we're talking about animation and all that stuff, I think it's only fair to jump into our next movie, which would be for me, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh yeah. It's such a such a classic movie. If you don't know what this movie is, oh my goodness, watch it. Shark Boy and Lava Girl is a classic when you think about how much you liked it as a kid and then you rewatch it, you're like, Oh, this is not a classic. That's why you gotta watch it. Because I rewatched some of the clips the other day trying to come up with Topics to, topics, topics to talk about, um, and uh, oh my goodness, like just the animation and the CGI in that movie does not hold up. Like, it was one of those. I think it was one of those early movies where they tried to go full CGI with the environment and everything. And yeah. for the movie, it makes sense. Um, but this is two thousand five, where um, we aren't that far in like animated technology and stuff like that and so some of the stuff looks a little weird some of it looks really good don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. um for the time that it was made but a lot of it looks really weird like i watched there's like a final battle scene and i watched a clip from that and at one point there's like brains falling from the sky and they clearly look so cgi and so weird and like they bounce weird and stuff like that um but another thing that's really weird is that, well, I think it was actually really cool at the time, was the 3D aspect of it. Like, um, it was one of those movies that you 
could, uh, I mean, for me at least, I remember having a copy of it and it came with 3D glasses. Yeah, so did my household. And we watched it. I, like, they were the paper ones that had the blue and the red. Um, they're like the old school 3D. Uh, and so you would watch it in your house with 3D glasses. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, the brains. The- that that brain hit the screen. That's That's the screen. And I remember, like, the glasses, like the cardboard little glasses. One of them was... Uh, themed like Shark Boy. Yeah, and the other one was Lava Girl. I remember you and my brothers would get into arguments. I'd be like, I'm Shark Boy. I always tonight. got Shark Boy. I yeah, always man. got Shark Boy. See, you're lucky because you grew up in a house where like you're the only dude. Yeah. And all your siblings are, are sisters. So they were like, okay, I'll take Lava Girl. And you're like, okay, I, I'm Shark Boy. I'm, I guess I'm Shark Boy. Me and my brothers, it was like, because I don't have any sisters, it was a full argument. It was like, <laughs> I want to be Shark Boy. It's like, I'm not being Lava Girl tonight. I want to be young Taylor Lautner. Who doesn't? I solid point. Yeah, I read a I read a fact that one of the only reasons why he got that role was because he could do his own stunts. Because he sent in, a, I think it was like a video of him doing jujitsu. Um, and so <laughs> there's you, a there's a scene in that movie where he sings a lullaby and like break dances. That's what I was about to bring up. Do you think Taylor Lautner gets dream 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 PTSD? Do you think he's like laying there in bed and he just like wakes up like shaking from like when he had to record that number? I hope he does Cause because I would. I would be terrified. There's I watched that scene over again, which by the way has some really good uses of the 3D. There's a point where he takes a cup out of nowhere, he pulls it out from behind his back and it's full of water already. I'm not going to talk about that, but he just throws it at the camera and like the water splashes and it would have looked so cool in 3D. I didn't have 3D glasses or anything on, but um I'm sure as a kid in 3D that looked really cool to me. That's yeah. Um but Another thing about that movie was there, it was also like, I mean, there were scary moments, but Mr. Electric was not scary. Thank you, goodness for you George have, Lopez. You might have thought he was as a kid, but yeah. now, now you look at him and you just see George Lopez. All I see is George Lopez, and I saw, I watched a clip of of like Mr. Electric running. I don't know where he's running to, but he's just running, and like he's doing the he's doing like the old man run where he's got like his. His like arms are in beside his body, and he's just like jogging, and it's so weird because his arms are just electricity, and it uh, it just does not look right. It just looks weird. It just looks so wrong. That entire movie is like a fever dream. Like you're just it's well, like, I mean, it is a dream. Uh, yeah, you're right. But like that <laughs> that movie, like what is it trying to be? Because it works. It's trying to, to be, be a like, dream. Okay. Because. Just um, like a big 3D spectacle, right? Well, yeah, like, uh, this is, gets a little spoilery, but I mean, it's Sharkboy and Lavender. Um, the movie is about uh, this one dude, I think his name's Max, I can't remember. Um, he's the main character, and he has dreamed up, he's drawn Sharkboy and okay. Lava Girl. He's right. made them. And he's drawn Mr. Electric after his teacher, because he doesn't like his teacher, so he's the villain. Right. And then there's also the bad guy, which is the bully in his class that he draws up. And so this is all his dream. Um and what he's imagined, uh, and they eventually come into reality. Yeah, I I remember that. Um, He brings them back to the classroom with him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But he, so, like, the entire movie's his dream. He's come up with all this stuff, and he can, like, come up with things as well. Um, Like, one of the ways they get around the land of dreams, I think it's called, is um, through his uh, train of thought, which is this big train. Um, Right, yeah, yeah. I remember it all now. So it's all it's all like dream based and stuff. So it makes sense that it's all in CGI, um, but it's just like when you look at that now, it's like yikes. Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring up this movie series. I mean, I have it on my on my notes, but 
I'm just going to bring it up quick because this is the perfect time. Robert Rodriguez, the guy who did Sharkboy and Lava Girl, mm-hmm. is also the dude who did Spy Kids. He wait, he made that movie too. Yeah. So if you think about it now, it makes like, sense. Yeah, like the visuals and the tone, like they're basically the same. Yeah. Uh, Spy Kids is also the exact same thing with like insane CGI that sort of looks terrible now. Yeah, like the weird thumb people, dude. Some people are so weird in that movie. As a kid, too, like, who watches a movie as a kid, sees a thumb person, and just goes, yeah. I actually wonder if... I thought about this when you mentioned it. I wonder if they specifically used thumb people so they would need less voice actors. Because they don't say anything. They can't talk. But they can have a bunch of, like, CGI henchmen that don't talk. And they're just thumbs. Also, another thing about that movie is, um... Uh, I don't, it probably wasn't the first movie to do this, but th- that movie, um, works with, it's got like the clones of the kids. You remember like the kids, the kids get cloned. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's like one of the earliest instances where I, as a kid probably saw, um, one actor playing themselves. The, yeah. You know, um, I'd actually be interested to watch that movie again and see how they handle that. But I want to watch that whole franchise again, dude. I All mean, once it gets like. I think what's number? Two? I don't even remember what number two is about. Don't they go into like the cyber world or something? Yeah, is that it's three? Like, it's like they go into a video game at some point. I don't know. It gets it gets pretty weird. Um, but it's it's a classic franchise. But oh man, those whatever the heck when they would like turn those business people like into the those purple weird dudes? like yeah like the purple and green Ooh, and guys man. who would talk in reverse and then they played the in reverse like. That was creepy as a kid. That movie is creepy, and it's still creepy if you watch it right now. Yeah, like, um, but I uh, know it's it's weird movie. It's it's so weird looking at Robert Rodriguez's uh, filmography too, because he does like Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids, and then he does like really serious movies. Like he did the entire uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico trilogy, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen, but I've heard great I things have not about. Seen it either. Uh, he did Alita Battle Angel, which I loved from oh, like really? last year. Yeah, so he does like these big budget like movies, and then also does Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids. Well, I think Shark Boy and Lava Girl was based off of stories that his son would tell. Um, yeah, I've heard that actually. I, I watched an interview. He's saying like, yeah, it's, the movie's all based off of stories my kid told or whatever, which makes sense because it's all. It's all, like, stories that a kid would tell. Yeah, I guess as a director with kids, you want to make movies that your kids can watch. Like, yeah. Not just, like, straight-up bloody movies. Because he also did, like, the Machete uh, movies with Danny Trejo. Yeah. And those movies, tying into Spy Kids, he, that's their, like, Machete is their uncle from Spy Kids. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. isn't he in Spy Kids? Yeah. But he has his own movie trilogy. And it's, like, people with, like, guns for legs and, like, just stabbing each other. Dude. Like, it's... it's it's insane. Danny Trejo is so cool. I know. He is the coolest. He's he's got so many small roles too. He's in Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's so weird. Um What a dope dude though. You know, he is he is amazing. Uh it's just sad that I the main thing I remember him as is the uncle in Spy Kids where yeah. he shows up for like I think it's like the beginning of the movie or maybe no, it's like halfway through the movie. He's got like two scenes in spy kids and somehow that was enough to give him his own trilogy of movies. <laughs> like I, he in, just was so good in spy kids. They needed to give him a movie. Academy award winning Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Um, but, uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on like the fact that watching some of the things in those movies was scary to me as a kid. And now I see them now and I'm like, Oh, that wasn't scary at all. Yeah. Like, as a kid, I was definitely um, scared of 
a lot of like not as scary things now. Like I feel, I remember as a kid, I hated sleeping in silence, and I would have a radio. It's like my dad's old ghetto blaster, and I would put it on white noise to make it so that my room wasn't silent when I would sleep at night. Because just the the silence freaked you out. Just the silence freaked me out. I think it was also because I slept in the basement when I was a kid. Yeah, like, so did I. My room was in the basement for my entire childhood, so mm-hmm. I feel that. Um, I mean, I was only in that room for like, I feel like I was only in that room for a while, a little while, and then my parents took over that room, and then I moved upstairs. Um, but I remember that was one of my things that I was really scared of as a kid was just silence as I slept, which I don't know why. No, I get it. I get it. Totally. Sometimes I'm still laying there, and I'm just silence. I'm like, I need to watch anything for noise. I need noise. Um, my childhood fears, I had two that stand out with me more than anything and both of them I'm like this is not scary how was I scared of this I was terrified of the green-eyed monster from the Berenstein Bears and I don't know why I rewatched that ep- I mean it's Berenstein Bears so obviously it's not gonna scare me now yeah but I rewatched like that episode and it's I don't know what it is that scared me about I it. don't know what you're talking about I still don't know what it looks essentially like. just one of the bears from the Berenstein Bears has like this like oh is it are they aliens or something no it's supposed to represent like it's it's green but it's supposed to represent like her like gr- jealousy or some shit I feel like this sounds familiar I feel like I know what you're talking about it now. terrified me for like a year and a half or two years I was horrified and then I was also really scared of this anti-drug commercial that aired it was like a canadian like drugs not for me commercial which one was it it had the freddy krueger jingle oh that, like, no, one, I'm two. One. and it was all freaky and drug related and i remember watching that as a kid and like running out of the movie theater my mom had to like come after it terrified me they terrified me so like i get it kids are scared of weird things i uh there's um there's a john tron episode where he talks about like 90s drug psas and they are, if you look back at them, they're so weird. They're there's weird. one, there's one where uh, it's like this dude who's, he's just like in the shadows walking through like an alley. He looks really cool. He's like, yeah, I'm cool. I sell drugs. And then it zooms in on his face and he's a snake. He's like, you want to buy drugs? I've seen that. And I'm like, what the heck? I was, I, I thought he was cool. <laughs> he said he was cool. So I believe he him. said, I believe that he was cool. The 90s drug PSAs must have terrified children. Man. Like it's. So weird. Some it's of them effective. are just so weird. I, it, yeah. It, it no. Some of them are really weird. Like the one of like the girl who's like laying on the couch. Yeah. And she's like flat. Like just. Oh, it's out. so weird. They're like, "What's she doing?" She's like, "Oh, she's doing that again." And she's like, just flat. <laughs> the like, best man. The classic where it's the guy with like the hot pan and he throws an egg on. And he's like, "This is your brain on drugs." Bang. Any questions? And that's it. It it worked on kids, man. It they did were like, work. Nope. Um. Just quickly, uh, still talking about 90s drug PSAs. I went uh, on a date recently, and we went to an arcade that was underneath like a bar. And uh, one of the arcade machines was, uh, it was the game Narc, which is this 90s. What is that? It's this 90s arcade game where you play as a cop who, it's like a side-scroller beat-em-up kind of style game. Right. But you play as a cop, and... You've got like an assault rifle that shoots rockets and bullets and you're fighting like these drug lords. And so <laughs> you shoot them and they blow up like they explode. Um, and uh, you collect like bags of cocaine and weed and like stacks of money to get points. It is so gruesome. Making your way through the New York crime scene. Literally like the big bosses are like uh, heroin man or something like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like some weird stuff like that. It is so weird. I think in the 90s, they were just like, we want kids to not do drugs. Let's just have everything related to drugs be terrifying. You just fight this kingpin named Heroin Man. But like... You are literally just murdering these people. Like, you are not a cop. You are a serial killer. There's no Hunting way. Hunting down every single drug user. And they all look the same, too. <laughs> like, Well, that's the power of drugs, man. That's, that's what it does to you. <laughs> Makes everyone look the same. Um, anywho, <laughs> off of uh, 90s drug PSAs, uh, the one of the final movies I wanted to talk about, I guess it's not a movie, it's more of a franchise, um, is The Muppets. Uh, I, as a kid, loved the Muppets, and I probably accredit it to my parents showing me the Muppets because I realized one of the main things is, like, one of the biggest things is a lot of stuff that kids watch, their parents show them. And so uh, one of the main things that I remember watching from the Muppets was I would watch the old reruns of um, – the TV show, like the Muppet show. Right. Where it was an actual show and it would, and they would, every episode would have like a guest star on it. And obviously as a kid, I didn't know any of these nineties icons. Um, cause I was not that cultured in nineties icons at the time. Yeah. Being um, a 2000s kid. Literally. Uh, but no, the Muppets were huge for me. And I remember like watching Muppets in dis- Muppets in space and like, uh, what else? Um, I don't know, a bunch of other Muppet movies. Mm-hmm. But a lot, it was mostly like the reruns of the shows. Um, and now, I mean, the Muppets are still a thing, but they're not as prevalent as they were. Yeah, they got like a 2012 movie with Jason Segel in it. And then yeah, and then the the most recent one was uh, Muppets was Most Wanted, where it's Kermit and then Kermit's uh, evil twin, who's got who's just Kermit but with a mole and a Russian accent. I have not heard about this. Dude, you got to watch that movie. It's where that... um. It's where that meme of Kermit and then Kermit with the black hood comes from. No way. That's where it comes from is that movie. Because Kermit with the black hood is evil Kermit. He's Russian Kermit. And he shows up and um, is just like, uh, I don't know. He like switches places with Kermit. That's the joke. And then Kermit's sent to jail and evil Kermit takes Kermit's place in the Muppet show. That makes that meme so much more better. But yeah, um... The Muppets were amazing. I love the Muppets so much. But it just kind of sucks where their movies have gone now. Because when you look at the giant that the Muppets were back in like the 90s and early 2000s yeah, compared like to now. The biggest thing ever. They are not as popular as they used to be. And I think I think that can be accredited to a lot of things. Um, but I think just um, as CGI advancements have gotten to the point where we can make any character we want to in mm-hmm. any movie we want to um puppetry isn't as necessary because puppetry filled that gap of not having those weird characters yeah that they could just chuck in a cgi movie that kind of thing yeah like for example um you wouldn't have a Groot puppet because Groot can be cgi'd completely and do things that a puppet cannot yeah, and if you had him on a puppet, it would take away from the tone that they've now established in all these movies. Exactly. Whereas, so. like, puppetry was its its own tone. Like, if you're watching something with puppetry, it's it's got its own vibe. You're never looking at these characters who are puppets and thinking, wow, this is weird. Yeah. But now, with all, like, the CGI advancements and stuff, you throw, like you just said, like, a good example is, like, Rocket Raccoon or, like, Groot. If you have a puppet for them, it would look weird. It would yeah. take you out of the story. Yeah, so I feel like... I feel like back then, puppets took the place of CGI characters that we use now because we didn't have that technology. And it was great. It, they, it worked really well. Like um, Jim, Henson, Jim Henson does a really good job at 
making puppets look real. Um, just with their movement and the way that like he styled them or just like the natural like floating hair even on the puppets like just that kind of thing makes them feel real enough that we can be like okay i can believe that Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's also because at the time it was established that puppet characters weren't weird like they yeah they were in a lot of different mediums and it wasn't something where at the time you could look at this and be like this is jarring this takes me out of it yeah no it was completely normal whereas now as we move forward and they become less popular you look at it now and it looks a little less natural. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't the fault of any of the puppeteers. Like it, lo- it looks amazing for its time, but it's just the way that it moves forward. Mm-hmm. It, it starts to gradually become less of a medium that it's more commonly used or more even accepted. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think a really cool, um, actually you start, start talking about the labyrinth. I know you want to talk about the labyrinth. Yeah, I'll get into the labyrinth because that's essentially my Muppets. Mm -hmm. Like I I watched a couple of Muppets. Like I watched Muppets at Christmas when I was at my grandparents and stuff. And I watched like, I watched Muppets, but they were never like huge characters for me. Yeah. But when I really think of Jim Henson and I think about what sticks out the most to me, it's probably labyrinth just because I think, I don't know what it was, about that movie, but my parents showed me it. So it's like you said, it could easily be that. Yeah. But, I remember my parents were obsessed with David Bowie and mm-hmm. they were like, they were in love with his character. And that was my first impression of David Bowie. Like growing up, like I didn't even know David Bowie originally as a singer. Like I was like, that's the dude from the lab. <laughs> that's I, the, that is the uh, troll King or what a goblin, king. goblin King with his insanely big balls that should not be in a kid's movie. So prominent. I don't <laughs> like it. No, <laughs> it just, I don't know whose idea that was. They were like, okay, we cast David Bowie in a kid's movie. Everyone's like, yep. And let's give him tights. And yeah. they're like, okay. And, like, and he has a huge bulge, and it, it's going to be awesome. And it, then they were yeah. just like, sure, let's do it. But no, um, Labyrinth, to me, is great just because I love... It's sort of like Jim Henson horror. Yeah. It, it leans darker into the territory than like Muppets did because like some of the creatures in that movie are freaky. Like the red dudes that I'll just, I sent you a video yeah, of? Yeah. Dude, like... When they come out and they just pop out, like the first one, his his scream, it's, it's like, jarring. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like some weird stuff like that. And I just, I am blown away by how freaky they look and how unfazed the main character is. She's just like, whoa, who well, are you guys? A goblin king has already taken her brother, dude. If I don't care who took my brother <laughs> if, if that... one of those things jumps out i'm in the woods and one of those jumps out of me the fists I am, are going like fists are flying someone's about to catch these hands like one of jim henson's puppets is about to catch these hands. exactly um i i wanted to talk about what i was gonna say before we started talking about the labyrinth was um i realized something in that scene with those weird red puppets um that is so well done because have you ever do you remember watching that scene, how they, like, throw their heads? Yes. Do you know how that works? No. So all of that was shot. The reason why that one shot looks different than a lot of the movie is because that was all shot on green screen because all of the puppeteers were wearing – they mu- like, don't quote me on this. This is what I think it was. They must have all been wearing green morph suits, and they had one puppeteer doing the head and then another puppeteer doing the arms. Oh, okay. So the heads could freely move because it was only one puppeteer with his arm on this head. Right. And he could lift it up and it looked like that the head was being thrown or something like that. And, like, those puppets were all made to have detachable limbs because, like, their legs come off too and, like, they get reformed and, like, 
such cool different ways. You can clearly see it when you watch it again and think that this is all on a green screen. You can see that when they do those weird wide shots of the entire set that it looks like it's on a green screen. Right. But the way that they did that so that the heads could be thrown around and stuff is that. That's essentially, insane. That's which is impressive. super cool. Um in my opinion for the time as well because like that is such a smart way to do that mm -hmm. having a green screen background and uh green screen puppeteers smart yeah that yeah absolutely um and also i love the use of in that movie they use a lot of uh of um like costumes like yeah there's a uh, lot of costume design in that movie uh, i can't remember his name hoggle that's yeah. his name the little hoggle. Uh, goblin guy um, he, he was my favorite as a kid. He's so cool. Uh, Hoggle's the best. Um, but that was that was somebody in a suit with like uh, with like a mask on that was attached to like their chin and stuff like in the old live action Ninja Turtle movies, like that kind of style of like puppeteering where it's actually somebody in a suit talking along. That's insane. And the same thing with um, Ludo. Uh, I noticed that the giant character in Ludo is in uh, the movie is called Ludo. Um, <laughs> it's funny to us because one of our friends' dogs is named Ludo. Um, and I've never connected those dots. Um, but uh, no, that that's all like a person as well. Um, that's like the Big Bird costume where yeah. it's one person. He probably has like one arm, and maybe it's maybe it's two people in that costume. No, it must be one, where he's got one arm up controlling the head, and then. The other arm's kind of attached and all that stuff. Um, but it's really well done puppetry in that movie. It's crazy to think about the amount of effort that like little things like that took back in that time frame. Because now, like we were just talking about, you have CGI and it takes so much like less time. Yeah. Like you can do it so quickly. And now they would just view all that extra work as extra work and it's unnecessary because we didn't need to do it. But at the time, mm -hmm. that was the only way to do it. Like, there was no other way around it. Like, you needed to make it work however you could yeah, with the technology that you had. A really cool thing that they did that I've recently been talking about because I, I just did my final exam for my early modern theater class. And I one of the things I was talking about in it was uh, um, perspective stages. So back in the day, the stages that they would have, um, the background would just be drawn like perspective, like it looks like it continues, but it doesn't. That's the wall. Um, and if you rewatch that movie in the beginning when she first enters the labyrinth, um, and it's just like one long hall, yeah, they you can tell that there's a wall at the end of that hall that's just a perspective drawing to make it look like to make it look like going. it keeps going, yeah, which is so smart. Um, and another thing I really quickly want to mention was one line in that movie that stuck out to me was when the first thing she says when she's about to go to the labyrinth is she goes come on feet and then walks to the labyrinth and i'm like that's what you're gonna say to start this adventure it's such an odd come on line. feet yeah who, that's such an odd line of dialogue who tells their feet let's start walking who says that i just look down at my feet whenever i'm going anywhere and i'm like well it's about time we do this guys it's like come on feet let's go let's go <laughs> begin the adventure it's it's an it's a weird line but i i that just movie? recently watched that movie um because I hadn't seen it, and you were like, I'm going to talk about this in the podcast. And mm -hmm. so I watched it, and I loved it. It was so good. Yeah, it's it's great. It's like a darker Muppets. Yeah. And uh, David Bowie is phenomenal in it. R.I.P., man, to the legend. Yeah. He, I remember just as a kid, when I think of that movie, like he, as long, I mean, like Hoggle, those mm -hmm. two, 
stand out the most. The only way I can describe that soundtrack is stellar. That's all I can say about yeah. that soundtrack. The, it is so 80s and so well done. Every single song in there is so much fun. Yeah. And it, and it just radiates 80s energy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just the set design, like you were just talking about, too. Just the way that they, at the time, don't have any other options. So they use, like, perspective and all that angling. And just, you know, like, there's so much going on. Like, the scene towards the ending um, where they're, like, they're in the twisty room with mm-hmm. the staircases and all the staircases are flipping around. Yeah. That's just impressive. That like, is so cool. Because I don't know. I don't know how that, like, back of the time was filmed. But it's, I'd imagine it was a lot more work than it would be right now. Yeah. No, definitely. Um uh, I know one other thing that we wanted to talk about was um, it was also a huge part of our childhood was the Pokemon movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we ain't talking about that new one with Ryan Reynolds. No, no, which is we, good. But we, yeah, which is a good movie. Um, we're talking about like old Ash days, like Ash Ketchum before he got that weird. New, have you seen like the most recent yeah. version of Ash Ketchum? He's he looks weird. weird, man. Anywho, um, like those were classics. I remember watching like the cartoons, like the morning cartoons as well of Pokemon. the show. Yeah, yeah, um, but no, those movies were iconic. I loved just at the time. I loved anything. Like I learned to read from my Game Boy, from Pokemon. Like I oh, literally yeah. learned to read using Pokemon. So it was a big part of my childhood. And the TV shows I, I watched every week. I loved it. But in particular, yeah, the movies I remember mm-hmm. just stick with me the most. Like the one with uh, Mewtwo. Yeah. And like, man, I remember crying as a kid to the scene of uh, Pikachu when Ash freezes into stone. Oh, that's so sad. That shit's still heartbreaking. Like, you can play that for me now, and I'm still gonna be like, all right, I gotta leave the room, <laughs> bro. You gotta give me a minute here. <laughs> yeah, let me cry into my Pikachu pillow. <laughs> Facts, man. I knew every single Pokemon. Like, my my mom was blown away with it as a kid because I could literally like all 500, like one to 500. And I couldn't. I might be able to name. The original 151 or whatever it is, if you gave me pictures of them. Yeah, I could not do that now. But I, like, yeah, I probably could do it when I was a kid, but now maybe not as much. But I, I don't know, maybe I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, those movies are just classics. And, like, it felt like such a journey because you were watching the same character in the same group yeah. throughout, like, years. So I was, like, six, and then I was still watching these animated Pokemon movies. With, like, the same characters going on, like, the same journey, like, five years later. Yeah, exactly. And it just felt, it was this feeling of, like, I mean, a lot of people get this feeling with, like, things that they grow up with, but it was just this feeling of growing with the characters. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they ruined that all with, with the newer shows and stuff. They just ruined Ash's, Ash's character. Well, yeah, he finally won the, he finally won the whatever the heck Pokemon Good thing. for him. Good well, yeah, for him. Yeah, <laughs> good for him. It's been, like, nine or ten years. Longer. Well, yeah. Imagine, he... he He's still like a 13-year-old in that show, too. He does not change. He doesn't age. He, he's the same. And he gets new friends, but no, he does not change in age. I don't want new friends, man. I want Brock and Misty back. <laughs> Brock's iconic because... How, no new friends. How does he walk? He can't see. He got no eyes. That man only got eyebrows. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, But kind of like, I don't know. We've hit the 50-minute mark. I kind of mm-hmm. want to sum up Start what we've been talking about. Um, I think for me... When it comes to childhood movies, I think the ones that stick out in my head the most were the ones that kind of just made me feel good. Like, I think that was a big thing about um, childhood movies that I think a lot of those movies really encapsulate is just, like, the feeling of feeling good. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
like I remember as a kid watching those movies and just my imagination would like spin of like I could be Shark Boy or like stuff like that where mm-hmm. it's like I want to be in that universe I want to be that and so I think that's one of the reasons why I love those movies yeah as a kid when you're watching movies it's less of a watching experience and more of like just you're a part of it yeah like when you're watching Shark Boy and Lava Girl as a kid I was less focused with oh i could be shark boy because i just thought i was i was just watching a movie and i was like whoa everything's like flying at me like i'm in this and yeah when when you're a kid you're so much more impressionable and everything is such a bigger deal and with movies that translates to like the things that you remember from your childhood when it comes to movies are usually because of something that resonated with you a certain way or something that your parents showed you that you ended up loving Mm -hmm. uh that's me with the Goonies and, and Labyrinth. I guarantee you that my love for those movies is stems from, from my parents. Yeah, and I think I think another thing is um like our parents have shown us so many things and it definitely influences like who we are. Like I remember my dad, um, and he still does this, plays music constantly, like whatever music he wants. It was a lot of like rock, um and stuff like that. And that influenced the kind of music I like now. And I think our parents really do influence the kind of stuff that we watched as kids and what we like now. Um, another thing I will say about those movies is now as an adult, as a 20 year old looking back on Chuck boy and Lava girl, I'm like, Ooh, that's CGI. But as a kid, I didn't care. Like yeah. none of that mattered to me. It was never about like the technicalities or I'd never be like, Oh, there's an error in the editing. Yeah. I wouldn't say that as a kid. Like I didn't care as much as that as more of, as I cared about like the characters and the experience and like the journey they went on and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like with all the movies I loved as a kid, I don't feel I'm allowed to rank them. I feel like it's biased yeah. to want to rank them. Like, because I would give shark boy and lava girl like the highest rating ever. And no, that movie's not like the highest rating ever. Yeah. But when I look back on how spy kids and shark boy and lava girl and, and all these movies, you know how they made me feel they're they're just uh, i can't touch them like i can't judge them i can't yeah they hold they're in a different place in your heart like they hold a special place in your heart like they've got a whole list of flaws but they're not worth pointing out because all that really matters is the fact that i love those movies from how they impacted me when i was younger yeah and like for example one of the movies i was talking about was the road to el dorado which was the first dreamworks movie to have like an awful didn't make any money back in the box office but i loved it as a kid and Mm -hmm. i still love it now so it's like it's not fair for us to rank that because as a kid we were like, oh, I love all this stuff, but we didn't have like actual critical views on it. Yeah, and I mean if you love it as a kid, then chances are you still love it. You don't need to like put up some big wall and be like, oh, I used to like this, but now it's not. Like I don't yeah. know. I just – all the movies that I loved as a kid, I, I look at them the way I felt when I watched them as a kid. Yeah. And I'm um, going to try and always hold that. Yeah, I think a great thing is – Here's our challenge to you this week. Go watch a movie you liked as a kid. Anyone. And, like, look at it critically and be like, wow, this wasn't actually that good. But think about, like, why you actually liked it as a kid. And yeah. reminisce on those moments. It's amazing. It's so much fun. I that, loved, like, diving into the movies I liked as a kid. Me too, man. That being said, I need to separate the quality of Toy Story and The Goonies from the quality of Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Mama Girl. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, Toy Story is, like, a critically acclaimed classic so i can't really be comparing like saying like oh don't look at it critically because a lot of people do and it still holds up pretty well yeah but just in regards to movies that you found fun as a kid even if you don't get anything out of it now aside from fun it's still worth it that's like yeah. all, that's all that really matters is that you still have a good time with it and it brings back some feeling of nostalgia yeah no exactly and i think that's what a lot of those movies did for us 
was bring back those feelings of nostalgia of sitting in our basement um, with our families and like watching those movies on mm-hmm. VHS or DVD or like going into the theaters and seeing them for the first time mm-hmm. stuff like that. And back when 3D was advertised on a movie as like the biggest deal ever and the entire family would like fly to Walmart to get their new copy of this yeah. 3D movie. Meanwhile, every single movie that comes out in the movie theaters now is 3D. And even then I'm like, I don't really want to go see it in 3D. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to see a regular movie, man. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah, me too. Closing thoughts. Don't go watching your favorite kids' movies from kids looking to rank them or judge them. Just, you know, teleport yourself back to when you were a kid. Enjoy it and don't look for much more. Have some fun with it. And if you can, as a 20-year-old or whatever age you are, watch a movie from when you were like five or six and still have fun with it, then that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. And... Remember that movies were made in a different time. Sharkboy and Lava Girl was made way before we could do all this crazy stuff in Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. So It's fun to laugh at now, but yeah. at the time, it wasn't. It was just yeah, enjoyable. Yeah, it was just a fun time. Um, but that's it for this episode. Um, check out our Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast for constant weekly reminders of what episodes are coming out or what episodes we've been doing or fun little extra things. Um, you can find us both on Instagram. You can find me at Wesley underscore Giffen. And you can find me at Hayden Kutris. And you can find me with the same name on Letterboxd to look at some of my reviews. And my name is just Wesley Giffen on Letterboxd as well. So check out all that stuff. And uh, we will see you next week. Yeah, see you for the next episode. Peace.